Well, we are almost to the end of our Psalms, uh, summer in the Psalms. Uh, I was thinking this week as I was preparing what an ingeniously creative title I have given this uh, series because it's summer and we're going through the Psalms. So you are welcome <laughs> for that mass amount of creativity right there. But uh, I've enjoyed these, these expressions of worship uh, that the believers, followers of God have been worshiping to uh, since back at the earliest believers. So these Psalms, what we know as the Psalms within our Bible, were their expressions of worship. It, were, it was their songs that they would literally gather together and sing, just like we just sang, holy, holy, holy. They would sing these Psalms to express their worship, and this is what fueled their faith as they would gather together. We've looked, as we've looked at different psalms, we've seen many different expressions, many different emotions conveyed through these psalms. There are many that are very real and honest. It's not all just happy, God makes me happy, and God's my best friend. It is real, and it's raw, and it's emotional. Psalms that express grief and disappointment and sorrow, even anger and frustration, psalms that express joy and reverence, personal reflection, as well as communal worship. All of those things can be worship because it's whatever is going on in you as we bring those things to God, wherever we may be in life, that's worship. And we see that within the psalms. I think it's important for us to remember that these psalms were songs, and they were sung. Now, I do think sometimes we can err too far one way and think that worship is only songs, right? We've got a worship leader, Josh, who does a fantastic job, and a worship team that does a fantastic job, but that's not the limit and boundary of worship. Worship can be expressed in many ways. It can be expressed in silence. It can be expressed in prayer and reflection, studying scripture, even in our fellowship together. All of those are expressions of worship. But as we read the Psalms, we cannot dismiss the reality that these were songs that were sung, an expression from the heart of their faith. So today, uh, for those of you who may be a little thrown off and thinking we only sang two songs to start and it's really messing with your head, we're going to sing a couple more songs at the end because we're going to look at today's psalm and then we're going to put it into action and express our worship through song. Now, I'm not asking what your preferred style of worship is, and if that is divisive for you of, I can only worship in a certain style, I encourage you to see the bigger picture than just that. I'm not even asking if you can carry a tune, because let's be honest, about 95% of us cannot carry much of a tune. I include myself in that category. But I've experienced personally the presence of God in such a way during worship that it's changed who I am from the inside out. 
And worship is meant to be that. It's meant to be an atmosphere where God can meet us, where God can deal with the inner workings of our heart and our fears and our anxiety and our joys, where God meets us in the midst of that. When we express our worship to God, it's an atmosphere unlike anything else. And again, I don't want you to limit that to one particular style. I will say I've experienced the presence of God in powerful ways in the big, grandiose styles of worship where there were huge screens and loudspeakers that you could feel and the lights and all that stuff. And it was powerful. I genuinely felt that I felt God's presence in those moments. I've also genuinely felt God's presence gathering together with a group of people where we open to him number 147 and you don't hear anything but piano and organ but you hear the cry of the people expressing holy 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 is our god i've experienced god in that situation as well i've experienced one i think one of the most powerful uh, memories that I have of a worship experience. Uh, when I was doing student ministry in my college days, I remember one particular event we had in this small town where I was serving as a student pastor, where all the churches of the community got together for a student event, and we brought in some big name to lead all the students in worship. And they were up there, and they were leading us in worship, and then they finished their song. But the students were so hungry, they just kept singing. And they just kept singing. The song kept going on. And then as soon as that ended, some other students started singing another song. And and it probably went on for well over an hour. The worship leader just got out of the way, and it was just students crying out to God, wanting to see God work I experienced God in that setting. I've experienced God in a, in a setting of just four or five guys sitting around with a guitar expressing our worship to God. I've experienced God in a setting where it was just me driving down the road in my frustration, in my need, and singing out to God. So no matter what the setting is, Worship is the environment where God can do what only God can do within our lives. So don't get hung up on any particular style. Don't get hung up on any particular expression because worship we see in Scripture is singing. It's raising hands. It's kneeling. It's sitting in silence and waiting on the Lord. Don't be limited by the style or the expression. Another powerful moment that comes to mind, I was probably 16, 17 years old, I think. I grew up in this little country church and we had a a student pastor in this little Sunday school room with all the old hand-me-down couches, you know, that, that filled the room. And we were in there one day and he had his guitar and he couldn't uh, sing in tune either. But uh, he did something that seemed kind of odd. As we were about to, to worship, he pulled out a box that was full of bandanas. He said, I want everybody to take one and I want you to put on a blindfold. 
which today that uh, might cause some red flags and have a youth pastor sent to jail. But we, we, we all put on this blindfold, and I remember him saying, now nobody can see you, just praise the Lord. And that's the first time I remember in my life I got down on my knees and I raised my hands. All things to that point, I was super teenager self-conscious about, right? What is somebody going to think of me if I do this? Is there some girl that's watching me? And I remember in that moment thinking, nobody else can see me. I can just worship God. And I felt God in such a way in that moment that I was convicted to such a point where I thought, why am I so self-conscious about what anybody else thinks about me? When I realize, God, what you think about me. And that was a turning point within my faith. So today, we are going to worship God as we get to the end of message here in song. And I, I'm not asking you to do anything or not do anything. I'm just asking you to be in God's presence however that may, may be. Today's psalm is Psalm 95. And in this, we see right off the bat that the writer expresses worship to God the Creator. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Come to Him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him, for the Lord is great, God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land too. The writer begins with this, come. Let us sing. Let us express our worship to God. He's, saying, he's inviting them into this atmosphere where God is going to meet them, where God is going to do something within their midst. And then he makes this direct connection to God as the creator which is a unique perspective to take, but it gives us this perspective as we come to sing. It gives us a perspective of awe. He's saying we're coming and we're worshiping the God who holds the whole world within his hands. The depths of the earth are his creations. The mightiest mountains are his. He is the creator. He formed it all. So he's saying, he's reminding us, as we come to sing, don't forget who we are singing to. We are worshiping a God who is capable of anything. And he is in control of everything. A couple of weeks ago, our family made our annual trip out to West Texas to the Davis Mountains. I don't know how many of you have ever been there. expresses he is the creator he is reminding us come let us sing to a god that there is no limit to we worship him because he is in control it's all within his hands 
When we sing to a God who is in control, we're reminding ourselves, I don't have to worry. Even though I can't get beyond this circumstance or see beyond it, I am serving and worshiping a God who is in control. We're understanding who it is that we're singing to. You see, when we sing, we don't do it because that's the way a church service starts. That's tradition, right? That's, that's the way church has always been done. You start with a song or two or three or four or whatever. It's just the order of service. No, it's the expression of God that God has asked of his people since the beginning of time. As we do, we express our need, our hope, and our faith to the creator of all, realizing that nothing is outside of his control. So I want to press pause real quick. I want you to take a moment of introspection here. I want you to think of your own circumstances, your challenges, your problems, maybe even just your distractions in life. Maybe these are things that are causing anxiety right now. Maybe these are things that have held you back for decades Maybe even it's been a long time since you have really been able to worship because some of these things stand in your way. As you think on those things, I want you to keep it in perspective. That as we worship, we're worshiping a God who is all-powerful. No matter who you are, no matter how important that you think you are, no matter how you may feel like your singing voice is, there are none of us in this room that get a pass from God's invitation to come and worship him. To come and worship the creator of all. When we get a perspective of who God is and what he is capable of, how can we not sing to him? How can we not worship him? It's his lordship. In worship, when we enter into that atmosphere, there are moments where miracles happen. We see it through scripture. We still see it in our lives today. Maybe it's something simple. Maybe it's the healing of our hearts. Maybe it's hope arising within us. But when we put aside our self-consciousness, when we put aside the things that bring us stress and anxiety, and we enter into that atmosphere of worship, God can help us. God can help us grow. God can help us face our circumstances. No. I've been around church long enough to know that there's always a group of people who would think, mind your own business, Adam. If I don't want to sing, I don't want to sing. I understand. I will also say that you are my business. That's what I do. I'm here to encourage you to experience God's presence. I'm here to challenge you to say, I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. 
And your pride can keep you from experiencing God. Your bad experiences can keep you from experiencing God. They can all cause you to miss out on those moments that God wants to speak to you, to help you, to give you hope, to move miraculously in your life. So I want to challenge you as you worship acknowledge him, give him reverence, enter into that joy and gratitude, sing because his grace is something for us to be thankful for. We worship God as our creator. We also worship God as our father. Not two different gods, not God the creator and God the father. It's the same God, just a different perspective. Psalm 95, six and seven. Again, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is God. We are the people he watches over the flock under his care. And that last sentence right there is the fatherly aspect. He is like a father with a watchful, caring eye who is watching over us. That is his character, the God that we worship is the God who is watching over every detail of our lives. He is all powerful, yet he is tender and compassionate. He is the heavenly father who watches over us. Psalm 103 verse 13, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, my child, do not reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Sometimes as we worship, we feel conviction because God is casting aside those things that should not be within our lives. 1 John 3, 1 See how very much our Father loves us. He calls us his children, and that is what we are. His love is why we sing, right? It makes me think of, uh, which this is not a very holy example, but uh, Elf, if you remember that Christmas movie, right? He gets so excited because he has met the father and he's, I'm singing, I'm singing, I love you. It's just we, because of the God that loves us and knows us and cares about us, how can we not express our worship to him, to a God who never leaves us, never forsakes us, whose mercy has no end, whose compassion is great. That is the love of the Father. Now, it could end there, right? We worship God because he is the creator, because he is the Father. That alone is enough reason to worship. But here in Psalm 95, the song has a bit of a key change. It takes a little bit of a turn. He's powerful. He is loving. And then all of a sudden, the writer reminds us, guard your heart. This is an important element. Uh, verses 7 through 10. If only you would listen to my voice today. He's referring, he's going to refer back to Israel's history, which they all would have been familiar with. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massa in the wilderness, 
For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years, I was angry with them. And I said, they are people whose hearts have turned away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. He's referring to the Israelites who had seen what God had done. Imagine being in slavery for hundreds of years and God sets you free through a series of miracles and then leads you to the Red Sea and the Red Sea parts and he leads you on to the promised land. But yet as you're on your way to the promised land, you begin to complain and you turn around and you make an idol to worship instead of God. How could they do that? I mean, it seems ridiculous, right, from our perspective. But the reason they did that is they didn't guard their hearts. In the atmosphere of worship, God had done so much in their lives, but they didn't guard their hearts and they became calloused. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. The Israelites' course went around and around and around for 40 years before they finally got to the promised land. There are things within all of our lives that work to separate us from God's purpose. That is the intent of our flesh. That is the intent of our sinful nature. Even things that seem so innocent, but yet they work to separate you from worshiping God. And when we don't guard our hearts from those things, that's exactly what they do. Could be rebellion, could be disobedience, any, any form of sin. It could be less obvious things that just seem a little more cultural, stubbornness, distraction, materialism, humanism, idolatry. Idolatry doesn't mean necessarily we make a golden statue and worship it. It could be anything in your life that you put before God. And the writer here is saying to experience God's presence and his power and his tender love as a father, guard your heart that those things don't come between you and God. A good litmus test, and this gets a little touchy for people, but a good litmus test to measure how guarded your heart is, is just simply look at your bank account how you spend your money, because scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Scripture says, you want to see where your heart is? Look at where your resources, your treasure is going. This is not a message about giving, but I will say this. Giving is God's antidote to letting material things control your life when we realize it's all from God and, and I give freely, how can I not give because of what he's done in my life? How can I not sing and worship because of what he has done in my life? When we don't guard our hearts, worshiping, singing, giving, those are some of the first things to go. We begin to separate ourselves from those things. So the question here is, where is your heart? Your heart may be separated. The good news is, all we have to do is bring it 
to him. Here's simple ways to guard your heart. Reading scripture in your life. It's the sword between the flesh and our spirit. Consistent time with God in prayer. Community as we intentionally gather together to grow in our faith together. Purposeful living. The Bible says when we put God first, he will put all these other things into place in our lives. So we take intentional steps to say, God, I want to guard my heart so that nothing keeps me from worshiping you. And lastly, as the band can go ahead and come back up here and get ready as we prepare to worship, the last thing that we see in this psalm here is that it leads us to a place where we can enter rest, where the presence of God as we worship refreshes us, prepares us. All throughout Scripture, God gives us this rhythm that is intended to refresh our lives and prepare our lives for all that he has ahead for us. This this psalm ended referring to the children of Israel who left slavery to go to the promised land that was intended to be their place of rest, their reward, the promised land that God had for them, but their rebellion and disobedience and complaints separated them from that. Here's what verse 11 says. So my, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. When we don't put these rhythms into our lives, we separate ourselves from worship, bringing the rest and refreshing to our lives that God intended. We gather together regularly to worship, to have Sabbath, the time when we set everything else aside that God might refresh us. His intent is never that you would carry all the burdens that you face in life. His intent is that you can leave the burdens that you carry in his presence. So we worship the creator in awe. We worship the father with adoration. We guard our hearts and we enter his rest. So here in just a moment, we're going to have some practical application. And however you feel led, I encourage you to simply worship God today. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are not worthy of being in your presence. Yet just as this psalm says, come and worship. Your invitation to all of us sinners today. Come and worship. Worship the God who created everything and is capable of anything. Worship the Father whose love is beyond what we can understand. Lord, would you help us to guard our hearts against everything that tries to separate us from your presence. And Father, for those who have been bearing the burden, Lord, let them find rest in you today. Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus to take our place on the cross that we could come and worship you. 
that we can be made whole again, that our sins can be forgiven, that we can be new creations. Lord, hear our worship.